Welcome to the Making Hay podcast with Marsha Miller from RFG Advisory. In this podcast, we help veterinarians, from new graduates to seasoned practitioners, navigate the sometimes tricky waters of personal finance. We all know the saying, making hay while the sun shines. As cheesy as it sounds, it represents a lot of what we help people do in their financial lives and businesses. We know each of you faces unique challenges, and we're here to offer advice tailored just for you. Anchored in service, stewardship, and a genuine understanding of your profession. Join Marsha Miller, your guide on this journey. Marsha has spent over 25 years in financial services, and her passion is helping vets like you get a handle on your finances. Tune into each episode as we meet at the intersection of veterinary practice and financial management. With help from expert guests and insights from Marsha's own experience, we're going to tackle your biggest financial questions head on. Hello, and welcome to Making Hay, the podcast with Marsha Miller. Marsha, it's great to be with you always. How are you doing today? Hey, Bill. I am doing fantastic. Great to see you and hear from you. Yeah. So what do we got in store for this podcast today? Yeah. So we have a very, very special guest. I'm so excited about today's episode. And so our guest today is Carrie Riddick. And she is a former practicing veterinarian who sold her practice. And after selling her practice, she now leads the Georgia Veterinary Medical Association as the executive director. So, hey, Carrie. Hi, Marsha. Hi, Bill. Hey. We're so glad you're here. And we cannot wait to hear all about Carrie and your story and your journey and all that good stuff. So you ready to tell tell everything about that? Absolutely. Ready to <laughs> get into it. And thank you so much for having me. This is such a delight. Awesome. Awesome. Well, tell us, like, how did you decide that you wanted to go to veterinary school? And like, why? Is there a why behind that? Or I know you love horses. I know that about you, you still love horses, have a little horse horse farm in Georgia. So tell us like how you got started. Yes, it's I am very passionate about horses. Kind of a boring story in the sense that from the time I was a toddler, I and I think I've very, the very first time I met a horse, I wanted to be able to, you know, be involved with them for life. And as soon as I found out what a veterinarian was between the ages of two and three, I knew that's what I wanted to to do. And then that dream just never, it never left. And uh, I, as I learned more about what veterinarians do and went through school and was fortunate to make the grades for it, that dream didn't leave until I got in and through vet school. That is so cool. I mean, to know at that young age, what you want to do, I think is very, very special. And it doesn't surprise me because I just think veterinarians, one of the reasons I love working with them is the passion behind that. You know, like you could go to school doing things maybe to make more money or with all kinds of different options, but it's the passion that I love animals. And it's just super cool. So you went to, to vet school at Auburn. Is that right? I did. I went to Auburn University. What a game this weekend. We won't talk about that, but um, the Iron Bowl was kind of um, just this past weekend. And But you went to Auburn and then what happened after that? Yeah, sure. It was interesting. I went in, you know, something that's just, I think, neat about veterinary medicine. Originally, 
I thought I was going to graduate and become board specialized in, you know, equine surgery. That was when I went into school wanting to, to do. And then uh, when I graduated, I which I graduated class of 2000, I uh, ended up going into did not pursue uh, being boarded. And I went into a mixed animal practice actually um, over in Westover, uh, Alabama at the time. And uh, yep. So my, my roots started pretty close to you, Marsha. Yeah. Um, So, and uh, I worked in mixed animal practice uh, and really just enjoyed some of the time in the office and with small animals. And then also the opportunity to take care of horses and cows and goats and just whatever I was able to get in the truck and go see. Yeah. And so then you kind of evolved from that and started a practice. So kind of tell us about that. Sure. The practice, we, which we is was in Columbus, Georgia. That was a, a private practice that we had, had purchased that was all originally had been a mixed animal practice, but the large animal part had, had kind of gotten sold off. And so we just got the small animal part of it. But that was a practice that we bought in 2008 and uh, just really had an amazing time with that practice. It was in a kind of right outside a military base. And so we really uh, were able to just serve a lot of the army community that's in Columbus. And uh, it was a hopping place. Got to see lots of emergencies during the daytime, as well as as do a lot of wellness checks and just have some some great clients that had been with the hospital for, you know, as many as three generations. So we really were like the community family hospital. Mm hmm. That's awesome. So at some point in time, you decided you've had enough of this or for whatever reason, you decided to start thinking about selling. Really like to to talk about this. Like what was your experience like and kind of even what learning points could you share? You know, there's so many veterinarians out there that are practice owners or want to become a practice owner. What kind of light could you shed into that part of your journey? It's interesting, you know, because it's kind of a the body of what your work has been for gosh, the last so many years, decades, um, very personal. So that's, I think one of the things I never really anticipated was how personal it is selling because you really are, it's kind of like the body of work that you're sharing with people. And I was quite proud of what we had, what we had built of, and, and the we being my husband and I, you know, it's, I think there, for me, I was very thankful to have somebody that could help me with the, with the sale of the practice, because there is, there's just so much information that, that people who are buying need, whether they need it for just to assess the practice, whether they need it for, you know, the financials, you know, as they're making their decisions, they, and so being able to have really just prepare, understand the practice, understand the inner workings of the practice so that you can share that information. And in having somebody else to help you share it, I think is important because it is very personal to you and, or it was very personal to me. And so you start to feel like you're justifying all of your decisions and you don't have to do that, right? It's when you're kind of turning this into more of something that is a business decision, which is, you know, financial selling of a practice, you just need to be able to provide those answers and remove that emotional, personal part. And that for me was difficult to do. So difficult. And really, you know, you and I've talked about this before about, you know, you come out of veterinary school with no business 
training, no business experience, no negotiating contract experience, you know, and I own a business myself, you know, I'm self-employed, have been for 25 years to run a business is tough. You know, it's hard because there are those emotions. And even with all of my training, you don't get trained. You own a business and you get in there in the trenches and you run that business. So I know that was helpful to have your husband as a business partner to lean on. But could you like talk about that in any way? Like, you know, how someone that's coming to start a practice, what what should they do or what did you learn? What would you do different even from the selling of the business? On this, if, it, if anything, <laughs> Well, it it's funny because I if you know if I had not had Dawn there and if I was in Birmingham, first off, I wish I would have had met you many years ago when I was close because I think you know yeah. owning your own businesses, having going through that experience and having that kind of commonality conversation is in having somebody that is is trustworthy. I mean, that's that's who you need first and foremost, and and so if it wasn't. If it wasn't my husband, then I would have I would have found I would have found a Marsha. I would have found somebody that would have helped me broker a business that I could talk through what was going on, talk through the emotions of it. Because you rely on your staff for so much, but when you're starting to talk about business decisions, you're not talking with your staff about this. These are, you know, you need outside support. Absolutely. So I would make sure I had outside support. You know, I, one thing I did once we start talking about the GVMA, but one thing I did do um, in preparation for transitioning into this job was I took some accounting classes and it was really interesting because I, you know, had run a business for 15 plus years, understood our accounts, understood our, you know, spreadsheets and, and all that, but I feel like if I had taken the time to invest in some accounting classes ahead of time, I I would have just elevated my understanding of that, um, especially when I got into some of the negotiations. So, you know, going back to some some pretty basic things, but just investing in that is, you know, and we have great accountants, but it's doing some accounting classes to really gain some some different understanding, I think, was would be very helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, And really just trying to. I don't know that for a veterinary hospital, you need to have an MBA. It's always, always nice to think about it, but just having some leadership courses, having some business, you know, basic business courses to, to understand, I think helps you with all of your negotiations, whether it's with your vendors and your sales people, right. your HR, it just, it's an area that we do not have any education in unless mm-hmm. we got it in undergrad. Yeah. And a lot of times um, I've noticed people that I've worked with, you know, sometimes they're intimidated to ask questions, you know, if, and if they don't understand something, I want to always encourage people to speak up. Like there's no question that's, that people just don't want to appear like they're not smart. Right. And I always like to take that barrier down and say, Hey, ask questions. There's not any question that is not a good question. And let's talk about that. So you've got to have a trusted person somewhere in the mix. And I'm glad in your case, you had your husband. How beautiful is that? So, um, yeah. So you sold the business in 2000. When did you sell the Women. When did we sell it? 21. Okay. Yeah. So in 2021. Gotcha. Um, And so then you took these accounting classes, which I love to hear that, you know, and probably you didn't have time when you were taking care of so many animals and working all the time and juggling all the balls of ownership, dealing with staff and um, other partners and, or associates and that kind of thing. So a lot going on there. 
So you sold the practice and then tell us then the journey of um, deciding to go to work with the GVMA and you're the executive director there. I love uh, what you're doing. I love your team. I got to meet them at Vet South recently. I was just so impressed with just all the energy around your team and the support there. Just a great group of people. So I'd love to hear about your journey moving over from the ownership over to the GVMA. Oh, thank you. One thing I guess I've been passionate about is volunteerism and uh, have always tried to volunteer with our state association, whether it was in Alabama or then over to Georgia. And it, and so I volunteered throughout my time as a practice owner with the GVMA okay. um, and was involved in the leadership very much, you know, was president of the association and ran our, you know, was our advocacy chair. And so really was involved and, you know, it was, it just, it's our previous executive director, Susan Blevins, as a volunteer, worked very closely with her and she um, really inspired me to to do this. She was thinking of retiring at the time and kind of was thinking about what the succession plan was going to be. And uh, we had a, a really candid conversation one day and she just, you know, was like, I think you could really do this. And it's so kind of the point being that sometimes it just takes somebody giving you a little inspiration for you to realize you know, and, and start to think of something that that wasn't even a dream that becomes one really quickly. And so right. I took a lot of thought, probably a year of thought, and um and then kind of made them told her I would love to to do this. And then our very generous board at the GBMA um approved the decision. Yeah. And then she didn't retire. So and then she <laughs> icing on the cake. She yes, truly. Um, is now our director of operations and, you know, is phenomenal. She is so phenomenal. She's so organized. I love Susan. So yeah, you are fantastic working together. Well, I think it's super cool that you're doing this because you, you know, you're obviously so passionate about the veterinary profession and veterinary medicine. And so it gives you that chance to breathe into another layer of that and helping, you know, veterinarians that are either seasoned or right out of school or whatever, um, I know the few times that we've talked recently, you're always going and doing something, you know, you're headed over to, you know, Georgia, University of Georgia, or you're, you know, you're just always going and doing. So I love that. I know you see a lot. I know you see a lot of challenges, a lot of changes. I'm sure we could probably spend a long, long time talking about all those things, but what are maybe one or two, maybe just the top thing that you feel like is the biggest challenge or or one of the biggest challenges that you see in the association working in this field? What Not, not that you see in the association, but see in the field as working with the association. What is there something that comes to mind? Sure. Not unique to Georgia, but unique to veterinary medicine are, are certainly are the shortages of staff, shortages of veterinarians, especially in the mixed animal practice and our, our large animal. And that's, you know, something, gosh, we would love some solutions towards that. I think, do think veterinary medicine is going a little bit through an identity crisis right now as there's so much changing and, and just wanting to make sure that as we see associates who may not aspire for practice ownership, 
but that they are that they are inspired by veterinary medicine and that they're passionate about it and that this can not just become a job for people but this is the opportunity to take care of animals and to help people be enabled to properly take care of their animals and and just advocate for animals it's it's just it's such an amazing profession and and I I want that piece of it to just continue to stay within veterinary medicine. Great, great answer. Because I'm a big believer, you've got to have joy and happiness. Wake up every day and you hate what you're doing. That would be sad. I know my own personal career, I wake up every day. I mean, there's some days I may be, I want to sleep a little later, but I always love getting up and going to work. I always, you know, I'm passionate about what I do. And I have found that, you know, I love that bubbly part of the veterinarians that I've worked with and I see it in you every time I talk to you. So that's a great thing to aspire to. What about what kind of support can you speak on some of the ways that the association GVMA is supporting veterinarians like programs or initiatives or what y'all have planned for the future or just anything that um, comes to mind? Sure. I think we really try to support our you know, the veterinary students um, that are at UGA and, and really try to, to meet with them and, and get to know the students, let the students get to know us and uh, see that we are here to support them and support the profession and not to be an authoritative agent. So we're really into relationship building and connecting the community together. You know, we really strive to do that through our continuing education programming. One, you know, we want to offer, you know, just great programming that is is bundled and can be curated for people for what they need, but also where they're connecting with colleagues that have similar interests and, you know, where they can really get to, to talk because so much, you know, you learn so much in a CE meeting, but you also learn so much when you're talking to your neighbor that you're sitting next to or in the hallways, you know, and we also want to bring in excellent, you know, I mean, have an excellent exhibit hall, you know, excellent vendor hall, just so that, you know, we are creating opportunities for veterinarians to be able to talk to people who can also help them in their careers. I mean, that that's how you and I met. And is, I think yeah. that is that just speaks to, you know, it's all about building the relationships, I think is, is what Mm -hmm. we are really trying to do. I think it's hard to build relationships nowadays. And I know for myself, it sometimes takes a lot of energy to do it, even though I I want to, it's not natural for me. And, and I think being able to help veterinarians kind of come out of that shell and, and just communicate and talk and network together is, is something we absolutely can help them out with. Yeah. And that's, that's great because networking is so important because I I guarantee you, if there's a veterinarian that's struggling in some aspect of their career, there's 10 people in the room that either they've gone through it, they're currently going through it, or they would have ways to talk to each other. So that's so wonderful to encourage that. Um, And I know y'all work, y'all put on two conferences, right? So you have Vet South, which is in Alpharetta. So that's in October of each year, I believe. And then um, you're part of working with Alabama, putting on um, the Emerald Coast Conference, which if you haven't been to Destin, Florida, you need to go to this conference because it is absolutely beautiful. One of my favorite places on earth. I'm not going to ever miss that conference. <laughs> um, yes. And so that is in the end of May, I believe. Correct? Correct. And so those are two big conferences that, um, you know, you can meet Carrie, you can meet her team. 
and it's just excellent, worth your time, worth your money. All veterinarians, you know, hopefully are getting out and going to conferences for that continuing education and just the camaraderie um, is so, so important. Well, do you have any insight into the future state of veterinary medicine? Is there anything there that we want to talk about that? And I, I know there's a lot of things changing with just, you know, the corporate ownership. There's just a lot of things. I, I don't know if there's anything specific that that you'd like to talk about in that that area as far as just not specifically corporate ownership, but just, you know, the future state of veterinary medicine. I think just looking at the landscape of veterinary medicine, you know, it's important to for veterinarians to look at all of the different options when they are offering treatment plans. I think something called spectrum of care is really becoming something that all, all, you know, veterinarians really need to look at within their practice and just make sure that when they're seeing a client that's in front of them, that they're properly informing and giving proper informed consent, that they're really giving thorough options of, of what can be used to treat that animal's condition. And in that, just as we see things becoming more and more expensive, time becoming more and more precious, that they're giving those considerations for offering treatment plans to clients. Because I think when we see veterinarians that are really practicing um, in a, a way that is helping their clients, it's helping animals, and it's, it's meeting clients where they need, then they're helping cases. These animals get better. They're having very high success rates. And I think that brings personal joy to their profession and their practice. And it also helps eliminate a lot of the stress and some of the anxiety that really can seem to come and and be associated with making these decisions for owners and animals. So I I really hope that's something that we're going to be seeing just in the future that we have more and more spectrum of care resources and time being given to young veterinarians, especially to learn how to really practice throughout the entire part of their license. Right. Wow. That's great. That's definitely sounds like that's needed. And like I said earlier, I'm just definitely very passionate about keeping that joy alive. You know, I see the reason when you were telling your story in the beginning, you thought about it since grade school, you know, taking care of animals and, you know, it was a passion your whole life Mm -hmm. and growing up. And then, you know, we just don't want that to go away. So I love, I love what you just said. So this has been a great conversation. I love your story. I love um, all the different journeys you've taken within your career and space. I know it's not over. I can't wait to see where you go. I love seeing you lead um, the GVMA, and I know it's going to be exciting moving forward. If I could ask you a closing question, what is the one piece of advice that you would give to a young veterinarian just graduating? Young veterinarians just graduating, they need to find a mentor and somebody who is willing just to connect with them and, and really support them. And if it's a veterinarian, that is great. If it is a person who is not a veterinarian, that is great. They really need somebody that they can talk candidly to that is going to be their cheerleader, that is going to be their support and just let them know they've, they've got this. And that's, I think, going to just help continue that trajectory of, of joy throughout throughout their career as they get started. Fantastic advice. Well, thank you again, Carrie, 
for your time today. I know you were extremely busy and um, I don't take it lightly that you've spent some time with me today. Um, So we really appreciate that. And I just want to encourage all listeners to connect with the GVMA. If you're in Georgia and you're not involved in all these resources and time that these people are pouring their heart and soul into, get out there and get connected. Get to these conferences, the two that we mentioned, again, Vet South and Emerald Coast Veterinary Conference. And um, we hope to see you guys there. Yeah, thanks. That was a really interesting conversation. I'm always fascinated when someone has a as diverse a career path as Carrie has. You know, it is one thing to be a vet. It's another thing to be an executive director of an organization that oversees the veterinary operations of a state. So valuable insight. Thank you so much, Carrie, for taking the time to visit with us. Appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. And Marcia, thank you for facilitating this conversation. It's always uh, there, a pleasure, Bill. No, no, it's a pleasure listening to it, actually. And it, for those veterinarians who are listening, who are thinking that uh, they might want to have a conversation with you, how would they get a hold of you? Well, our office phone number is 205-795-2013. You can also call me directly at 205-739-1928. As well as go to um, our website. So, a quick way to remember our website because it's rather lengthy is just <laughs> meetwithmarsha.com. So, meet with oh, Marsha. Yeah. So, that's and it's easy. M A R C I A, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Meetwithmarsha.com. I like that. That's good. Thank you. Appreciate it, Marsha. And Absolutely. listeners, thank you for taking the time to listen. I'm sure you found this helpful and useful. Uh, if you do want to have a further conversation with Marsha, please do. But the one thing you could do immediately is hit subscribe if you're not a subscriber already. That way you won't ever miss another edition of this podcast. It will be delivered directly to wherever it is that you listen to these podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. On behalf of Marsha, I'm Bill Tucker urging you to do not wait. Go out and live your best life today. Thank you for listening to the Making Hay podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at meetwithmarsha.com or give us a call at 205-795-2013. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analyses of Marsha Miller. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Marsha Miller or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Advisory services offered by Investment Advisory Representatives or RFG Advisory LLC, RFG Advisory or RFG, a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.